You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. This podcast has been brought to you by Cuts by Candice. Candice Giss is a hairstylist that listens to your needs and will work with you to get the right look for you. With 18 years of experience, Candice is the premier stylist that I trust with my look. And right now, if you mention this ad when you make an appointment from now until the end of February 2019 and give our promo code GEEKOUT, you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts underscore Candice on Instagram and start looking the best you, you can. The future comes and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geeks Watch for the geeks and all the geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift. That's right, we do shifts here at the Geeks Watch because we're on the wall for you blocking back or letting in whatever good geek news. Isn't that right, John? That's right, Mitch. I'm so excited to be here right now. <laughs> you look excited. <laughs> and Steven, once again. Baby. <laughs> that's right. Uh, we are, we're doing uh, a new show this week, guys. We are talking about a show that honestly wasn't a show that I was going to plan on watching. Um, so far, I think so far, all the shows that we've done, John, in the past are shows that I was already planning on watching. This one I, I was not planning on watching, but uh, it is in the purview of the definition of geek because there is a huge fandom for Star Trek. This is definitely yeah. one of those OG geek properties. That's uh, I feel right. Like we're doing it a great service here. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, like Star Trek is essentially responsible for cons, as we know them. I didn't think of it that way, but you're right, yeah. It seems like, yeah, Star Trek conventions were probably the, the first thing that, uh, you know, ex- I, I don't know if a comic book convention existed before a Star Trek convention or not, but the way that we know them now is definitely the, uh, the Star Trek laid the formula out for. <clears throat> so, yeah, we are going to start at season one of Star Trek Discovery, which is on CBS All Access, and... Uh, which we're what two seasons behind essentially because the first, the second season just dropped and finished up I believe. I think, uh, does it uh does it hit all as one? I, I feel like they uh they do they go almost week to week. I think they go week to week, but I think that, that wasn't their week already done. They, they they just started. They just started. Oh, so that's what it was. They just started. Okay. But there's also those mini episodes that are like between the season. Oh, well, yeah, we'll have to see if we can find those if they. <laughs> Are gonna help us with storyline or not? I don't think so. I think not they're so standalone. Do you think you think they're just standalone? Yeah. Is that what that lower decks show is gonna be like? Because that's also gonna be a spinoff show. So there's like what, three talks of three different spinoff shows from this show already. There's the John Luke Picard show, the lower decks <laughs> show, and then, uh, but the lower decks show I think is supposed to be animated. Is it literally like the crew that just works like the menial jobs in the the, the Star Trek ships or whatever? Probably. I like that idea. It's interesting, yeah. <laughs> and then there's going to be a Michelle Yeoh show that we will talk about more 
when we get into the episode. Yeah, so I don't know. You guys already know how that's possible. I, after just watching the first two, I'm like, but she's dead. So I'm <laughs> interested to find out how this is going to play out. All right. It's Star Trek, man. She's going to come back with a goatee. <laughs> <laughs> He's not far off. Uh, but let's talk about some geek news first. First thing I wanted to talk about was, guess what? Netflix is rebooting Unsolved Mysteries with the Stranger Things executive producer Sean Levy, which makes sense. He's he is doing really well with Stranger Things over there at at Netflix, and being involved with un, uh, Unsolved Mysteries would not be too far of a jump from Stranger Things for me. I mean, not that they ever got it. Well, I think they did do episodes on aliens and stuff, like pro- yeah. your proposed oh, yeah. alien abductions and stuff like that. Yeah, they they covered everything if it was supernatural or metaphysical or or just someone going missing. Yeah, I mean there was definitely some more down to earth stuff, but yeah, they got they they went they went there. I remember watching that every week, just like loving that show. And then I think it was Lifetime that had it on like syndication. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> so uh, I mean, do you have fond memories of of Unsolved Mysteries? I do. Way? Before the X Files became a thing, this was the show that would creep me out on like Friday nights or whatever it was it come out. Ah, and like just. Robert Stack just has such a commanding voice and speaks with so much authority that, like, he could say anything. He could say that there was a, you know, purple-headed boogie monster, and I'd be like, oh, man, that's crazy. Purple-headed boogie monster. Yeah. Yeah, one-horned, one-eyed, flying purple people eater. Wow, did you know that Spike had the the show for a while? It had it from uh, 2008 to 2010 with Dennis Farina replacing Robert Stack. What? Oh, yeah. so they kept going? Well, okay, so 1987 to 1997, it was on NBC. Uh, CBS picked it up for two years after that, and then it was canceled. Oh, jeez. Lifetime aired a number of the new episodes in 2001 and 2002. Spike also picked it up between 2008 and 2010 with Dennis Farina replacing Stack. Uh, yeah, so, it, it, I mean, it had... A, a, it's got legs. It, it had a resurgence, <laughs> but... I, I have no idea that it was on life or on Spike. I didn't realize it was on for that long. Oh, 10 years, 10 yeah. plus years, uh, 10 years just on NBC. So that's that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, is it something you're going to be watching when it comes on Netflix? Most likely. Probably. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who would you like to see as the host since Robert Stack is unfortunately not with us and neither is Dennis Farina. He's also passed. Oh. Hmm. Mm. Who has a pretty awesome voice these days? I remember when they brought back, um, what was it, uh, Twilight Zone on CBS? They had uh, Forrest Whitaker mm. hosting yeah. it. Yeah. How about Exhibit? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I heard you like some unfollowed movies. <laughs> <laughs> <Like>, yo, dog. <laughs> um, I don't know who I would cast to, to host that one. <clears throat> you, know, you, know who I, you know who I want? Ron Perlman. Oh, good choice. That is a good choice. Yeah. A very good choice. All right. I, I, I dig that. And he already looks like an unsolved mystery. Himself, so. <laughs> he looks like a missing link. <laughs> <laughs> he should do it in his Beauty and the Beast makeup. That would, Oh, wow. He brought out the Beauty and the Beast. Um. So, how, how did everybody like Baby Driver? I didn't watch it. You didn't watch it? I really liked it. Yeah. yeah. I really liked the direction. I didn't like the writing or the story. The tone was a little wonky for me, but yeah, the direction was awesome. Like Edgar Wright just directs incredibly well. The writing kind of 
a little weak on that one. I felt it's the same, but uh, it had some really great characters. But we have uh, Edgar Wright in an interview saying that he is currently writing Baby Driver 2. The first draft of Baby Driver 2 exists, he confirms. He is also working on a documentary about the cult band Sparks. Do you know anything about that band, either one of you? No. I don't know, no. And then his He's a next- big old music guy, so that makes sense. Oh, yeah. He- how, 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 long, how long do you think that the, the scripts for Baby Driver are? I feel like it's like a third of other scripts, and the rest of it is like him like doodling in the margins about what it should look like. <laughs> this is the part where Baby drives. <laughs> yeah. And that goes on for like three or four pages. Uh, and it... Um, I, I don't know. It, it probably isn't that long. It, it's probably filled with more than anything with songs that he wants to put in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and then he's also going, his next thing is going to be a psychological thriller, uh, horror thriller. Um, he cites don't look now and Roman Polanski's repulsion as influences. It's going to be set in London and starring a female lead. So uh, I realized I never made a film about central London, specifically Soho, somewhere I spent a huge amount of time in the, la- in the last 25 years. So that's uh, his next movie he's going to be doing. Either one of you. I mean, I give I give Edgar Wright the benefit of the doubt at this point. So mm-hmm. I'll probably be in for the movie. But he's one of those directors for me that is going to get a pass every time. Like, Even if the movie's subpar, it's still an Edgar Wright movie. And that's going to make it at least enjoyable to watch. That's fair. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't have any huge attachment to his work or anything, but I appreciate him. Like, if someone said he was attached, it gets way more of my interest. Uh, but there's not, like, an automatic, like, I'm going to the theater for it. Oh, okay. Uh, so, a show that we talk about here, Westworld. John, we've talked about two seasons of the show so far. Did you know that there was a mobile game for it? I did. I did not. <laughs> but that's okay because there's no longer going to be a mobile game for it. Uh, it Stephen might know a little bit more about this. I'm pretty sure he does. But apparently uh, Behavior Interactive created a mobile game uh, for Westworld that is very similar, <laughs> and that's in quotes, to uh, <laughs> Fallout Shelter from Bethesda. Now... Bethesda went and sued them, and the lawsuit came down in their favor last week, and um, they now are going to have to shut down their game. So the the crazy thing about this one is that behavior uh, behavior the the company behind it right work, they did both games. Oh, they did. Yeah, they created they were, the game, were, the Fallout Shelter for Bethesda. Yeah, they did it in in tandem with Bethesda. Wow. And so they went and they went and made this other one, and it's like. I mean, don't get me wrong, like someone hired you because you did this one thing that they want to do also, but they literally just took the same game that they built, an early version of it, and then went and made this Westworld one. The assets look the same, it's just Westworld instead. Um, the, the big thing that was a giveaway um, that we talked about before the, the stuff was rolling uh, is that one of the things that they cited in their lawsuit is that, like, no, this is directly the same source code. You guys have some of the same early bugs that we had. <laughs> and that's insane. That's literally like turning, like, copying someone's homework and still having the wrong, like, spelling it on words. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't see how this company thought they were going to get away with that. Also, this seems like a weird thing to adapt Westworld into. I mean, I get it. Like, have you ever played Fallout Shelter? Yes. I've I've never played it, but I've seen it. 
And like I, I understand there's different levels to the game, right? Like like literal levels. Like it, you're just yeah. building downward. It's uh yeah, it's essentially like uh environment uh, management game. <laughs> and what else is Westworld other than environment management and going further down into the rabbit hole? I, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's it's, it's like it's vertical sims. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's essentially like a like a ant uh, colony thing. Yes, you just gotta yeah. direct them where to go, what to do. <laughs> Put your workers. Uh, all right. So then, Geeks Worldwide is reporting that Marvel's Black Widow confirmed to start shooting the end of February, and John has a little bit of gossip that he heard about that too. Yeah, specifically from a gossip uh, site that states that this will be the first R-rated Marvel movie. Well, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, because we've already had two R-rated uh, Fox Marvel properties. Right. Deadpool 1, 2, and uh, Logan. And Logan. And uh, we're not counting the Blade movies, because, you know, we don't do that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is uh, rumored very heavily to, like, finally take a risk. They're saying, like, not only are we going to make the first female-led Marvel Cinematic Universe movie now... It's also going to be a hard R, which is going to be probably, I'm imagining, going to take some cues from something like Atomic Blonde to uh, really show you, like, you know, real violent fisticuffs. I mean, it makes sense to me because she's supposed to be a spy. She's Her main weapons are guns. Um, you can't just have her, you know, shooting to wound in, in the movies. It's going to have to be big. Shooting. Like oh, exclusively into feet, right? Exactly, or you know, bullets just bouncing off of armor and stuff like that. It's going to be a lot of headshots. There's going to be, hopefully, brain matter. It's going to be John Wick, Atomic Blonde, Accountant, all those kind of things Some, rolling like, in neck one. Neck snappings and neck snapping, chokings. A little bit of Hitman in there. Yeah, there <laughs> I'm I'm just confused about the the fact that they're going forward with her character now at this point, like. It's so late in the game for everything. I mean, like at this point, like I I don't care about it being like I, I understand them wanting to have a like a female-led Marvel movie that that should have happened already. But this character isn't the one that we need. Like I would way more at this at this point prefer like a Shuri movie or anyone else that we saw that we just met in Wakanda. Well, I mean, we're getting a Captain and Marvel movie here pretty soon, so that's gonna be Marvel's first female-led movie. But yeah, you could a Shuri movie or even a She-Hulk movie would probably be pretty cool. Ooh, yeah, I, I to do a little bit of speculation and just what what's happened in comic books as of late with uh, Black Widow's character, they created a origin story of her, not an origin story, but a new telling of her story that she is not just a person that's lived for a very long time. She's technically just a long line of clones, and every time. Uh, she gets killed on a mission, whatever. Uh, the, the next clone gets taken out of the incubator and then uploaded with her memories and stuff like that. So I'm wondering hmm. if that's something they're going to introduce into the MCU with uh, her dying after the end of uh, Endgame, if that happens. That, you know, the next, yeah, the next clone just gets her memories and then she gets to uh, live again and then, and then figure out why it is that she's alive kind of thing. And that's why her hmm. movie. Do you think they would go into someone else playing the character? I don't think it would get into another person playing her character. However, the name of Black Widow, the designation, has fallen to other characters or yeah, other people throughout the comic book history. So I could always, I could also see that as uh, she needs to um, take out the person that 
has her name now or the person that wants her name is going to try and take her out. Hmm. Is it interesting? I mean, I, I get what you're saying. We They should have had a Black Widow movie way before uh, this point. They should have had it probably around the time they did uh, Age of Ultron, especially when yeah. Age of Ultron, they introduced all that strange backstory that Joss Whedon did. Um, but I feel like there was a little bit of backlash after that. Um, and that's why they didn't go forward with a Black Widow movie at that point. Well, yeah, there was too much uh, focus on, uh, well, now they're backpedaling on her being a strong, independent woman by giving her an arc where she's like, I wanted to be a mommy, but I can't now or something. I don't think she's... Go ahead. Are you good? I just said, I don't think she was saying that she wanted to be a mommy. I just think she was saying that it's not possible for me to be a mommy. Well, I guess it's up to open to interpretation, maybe. (laughs) Fair enough. <laughs> I, I think it's odd because, like, like you you just said, like they they were facing backlash for something. I think it's odd to do this to pin a lot of stuff on Scarlett Johansson right now. <laughs> yes, you're you're backlash. also right. Yes, she has hit a lot of backlash as of late, just in Hollywood in general. Yeah. So it's bad. <laughs> What's she been doing now? Well, huh? she she had to drop out of that movie where she was going to be playing a trans woman. Oh, that's right, a, a, a trans man. Trans man, sorry. Uh, and then she also had the the whitewashing of the Ghost in the Shell character. No. <laughs> and then she came out and talked publicly about the Me Too movement, saying that she was all for it. But then people were like, "Well, why'd you do all those movies with Woody Allen then, if you're all about Me Too?" And then she had to be like, "Oh, well, I guess I can't talk anymore." So, I see. yeah. Well, you know, the whole trans man thing, I that one I find weird because uh, I think we've discussed this before, like just the two of us, where Chloe Savini did a, a movie. Hit and Miss. Yeah, where she plays a trans man and th- I mean... No, just, she plays a trans woman. A trans woman? She plays a man tra- transitioning to a woman. Yes, but being played by a woman. But being played by a woman. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, to me, that's the same thing. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. That didn't seem to cause any controversy, and maybe it's because it's Chloe Savini and nobody cares. But I think it was just yeah. It, it, well, I also think it was earlier. I mean, the time like we're coming more conscious of it, like oh. now, like things that aren't okay, and it wasn't that yet. I suppose. I mean, but it, that wasn't that long ago. So it wasn't. You're the, right. The change came really suddenly. I think. <laughs> The sensitivity. Like, as, as far as a lot of stuff goes, like I think, like you said, like we're becoming more socially conscious of a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, like, like you, like you said, John, like it's not, it's not Scarlett Johansson. It was doing also a it. European like, it's, show. it's not getting as many eyes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's lit- literally what you know happened with um, Ghost in the Shell. Like, you, they put her in the movie because she is going to be, you know, uh, a person that brings people to the theater. But then it's also now up for everybody to say something about because she's very uh, noticeable. Yeah, Man, you can't. Just also, like way to go, everyone else who would have wanted to do that job in that movie. Uh, way to go for dodging that bullet. Cause that movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ghost Michelle, and that movie was awful. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, I already talked about that one. Hulu. Do you remember last week we talked about Netflix is raising their prices? Well, Hulu decided, you know what? Hold my beer. We're going to lower our prices. So their basic pro- program, uh, which is, I think, what, $9.99? Where did I, I lost it? Oh, here it is. So um, at the same, they're, they're lowering their price of their signature 
uh, SVOD offering to $5.99 from $7.99. However, their uh, live TV service bundle is, is going to be going up to $44.99 from $39.99 a month. So <laughs> if you do their straight up live TV version, uh, you know, as opposed to doing cable or direct TV or satellite or something like that, then your your price is going to go up. But if you just do Hulu for uh, uh, watching shows after they've already aired on TV, then it's the price is going to go down two bucks. I think this is just a cost analysis thing on their side. Yeah, like it's it's a great PR thing, but at the end of the day, I think they're probably also losing a whole bunch of different content to other, all these other streaming services that are popping up now. I I was gonna say that I think I think yeah with all the streaming services popping up now that's a that's a big thing plus NBC announcing that they're gonna be getting their own streaming service like CBS All Access like that's a I think that's a gonna hit a big blow towards Hulu as well so they yeah. they're like hey we can still give you these other channels we they might not get all the programs like right away if NBC is gonna have their own but they'll still have them eventually. Mm-hmm. Also, five ninety nine for me is, I think, the like the perfect like right in the pocket price for any of these like like piecemeal streaming services. I think that is the the right price as well. Um, the CBS All Access is five ninety nine if you want with the limited commercials. Mm-hmm. It's and they're all just Facebook ads right now. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's all just Facebook portal. Like, <laughs> so something that like something intense would happen. They're like Dukufma, and then all of a sudden, like it's like and then just like some grandpa reading a book to kids <laughs> <It'll be laughs> uh yeah we'll definitely talk about that too because we talked about it with hulu or not hulu with um castle rock how the show is very much edited with uh the blackout spots for commercial commercial breaks this <laughs> show it does the same but they are utilizing it in their 5.99 tier uh resident evil is getting a tv series over at netflix now they, I, I, if I, if I remember correctly, they're also working on a movie coming out here for like within the next couple of years. They're, so they're going to be doing a movie and a TV show. Yeah, I've heard they're rebooting the whole series. Yeah. Uh, in that the article I read didn't really say anything about whether the TV show was going to be live action or CGI animated or just straight up anime because I know they had like a few of those movies that were animated. Um. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about a, a TV show, net, uh, Resident Evil TV show? I have no interest in it whatsoever because the movies were so far removed from the actual game that even if now they followed the plot line of the game like to the letter, I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm so far from interesting in it now. I feel like the the they eventually met up though in the movie the movies that we did have with Mila Jojovich they they eventually do come back towards where the game is at sort of but in a really like ham fisted bulldozery kind of way like yeah they introduced Wesker but his character is so far removed from what he's supposed to be and they introduce uh, I, I mean what was the last Leon? well they did have Leon in one in the okay. last movie. I didn't even watch the last one. So him, I don't him and Chris Redfield. Um, Interesting. Did you? I was gonna say, did you watch the the or did you play the last few games? No, because actually. Wesker's pretty out there at, at, in the last game. <laughs> Is he manning his own like ship now? And he, he like he's like all you know, 
uh, T-Virus out and shit. Like, I don't know. I didn't play that one that you start off in the house, uh, whichever that one was. The first one? Seven? No, no, no. The last one. Yeah, seven. The one where oh. it, the demo was the house and stuff like that, and you're the reporter. Uh, seven is just uh, Devil's Rejects kind of vibe yeah. mixed into Resident Evil. It's so, a good game, but very different. So It's very different. I yeah. guess to be fair, then, yeah, I've been out of the loop. I think the last full Resident Evil game I played was maybe Code Veronica. Wow. That's so, quite a while ago. But yes, yeah, good game. Yeah, so like <laughs> that's pretty much where I left the series because that's around the time that the movie started coming out and I hated the movies so much that I'm like, I'm done. Hated? The movies, well, I mean... Okay. I mean, they're not great movies, but I didn't hate them. I, thought, I enjoyed <laughs> no, them. I hated them as Resident Evil adaptations. They were fine as just like zombie schlock. It was, it was okay. Like, I'll give it that. Like, they're decent. Mm -hmm. Um, They were gory. They were kind of funny, whatever. But for basically being Resident Evil movies, they were awful. Huh. So I just kind of, I mean, and I watched, I think, all the way up to whichever the one was when they're in the, uh, that boat at the end. And that's where I lost track of them. I think that's four. Yeah, yeah, so pretty much I always quit at the fourth iteration of Resident <laughs> Evil. <laughs> See, and and I I kind of I loved that first one, um, and I loved the video games uh, up until I think six or seven. Um, it's when a lot of people fell out. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel I just always felt like the movies were taking place at the same time as the game. It's just you're following someone else's story, and that would have been fine. But they're so far removed, even from there that it's like it's ridiculous like mm-hmm. yeah some of the characters from the games do kind of pop in and out like jill valentine right and both the, versions of her yeah the nemesis ada wong <laughs> i think at some point has an appearance i think she does um the birkin guy whatever his name was and the, then what's uh ali lauder's character's name she's she's uh oh, she was she's uh, claire claire, claire. Redfield. Yeah. yeah so i don't know i i i'll give it a try i'm I, that's definitely something i'm gonna give a try I mean, I, the the one thing I'd say for it is uh, I think the chances of it being 2D are higher because Castlevania, if I remember correctly, is also a Capcom property. Okay. And they talked about expanding the universe for the Adi Shankar stuff, the guy who did the Castlevania series. Oh, so, that's interesting. Putting that out there. Is there a way? Because I, I, I know that when they, and this is talking about video games, um, when they made Devil May Cry, that was supposed to be a Resident Evil game, right? And they just reskinned it and made it yeah. Devil May Cry. Is there a, a like? Is there a storyline or a, 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 a version where like Castlevania and Resident Evil are connected, like Not worldwide? That I, know of. Um, I do believe that they are doing a Devil May Cry animated series, though, in that Adi Shankar stuff. Oh, really? So that's interesting. It's a bit of a fun fact too. And uh, I think it was Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater. Um, they snuck in a demo for Devil May Cry, but it was unofficial. Nice. Um, there was like a dream sequence when Snake is like hallucinating or something. He wakes up and all of a sudden the gameplay is completely different and it's Devil May Cry's uh, play style. Really? Yeah. And Interesting. That was like a little bit of like a weird demo that they snuck in there um, just to kind of test out the physics of it and everything. And they left it in the game. That is that is interesting, and, and then that's how but, it came to be. Are they made by this? I mean, that's not made uh, Snake Eater or whatever. Me, Metal Snake. Gear is uh, Konami. Yeah, it's Konami, right? So that's yeah. weird that that would be. But, would I think do that, Devil right? May Cry is Konami, isn't it? No, it's Capcom. Hmm. I think I feel like it was Capcom. I could be wrong. Yeah, because Dante shows up in Capcom versus shit. <laughs> 
Is that the official I, the, title? No, what I was but say is that it kind of makes sense for them to have tested that stuff into Metal Gear because uh, uh, Rising Revengeance, the game that's uh, like it, it's just a whole beat 'em up thing. Like it's it's Devil May Cry style gameplay. So really, huh? <clears throat> yeah, very hack and slashy. All right. Uh, I think I'm the only Doctor Who fan between the three of us. So, yes. well, I mean, as of late, maybe, but I, I, I definitely. You're an old school Doctor Who fan. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a ninth and tenth Doctor. Oh, just ninth and tenth yeah. Doctor. Oh, so not even old school, old new school, <laughs> old new Doctor. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, I, apparently you stopped before Matt Smith, so Matt Smith is going to be starring with Jared Leto in the Marvel spinoff Morbius movie. Uh, yeah, so that's a thing. He's going to be, I think, someone called Hunger or something like that. Some, I'm guessing another vampire character from the Spider-Man universe or Marvel universe. And um, I guess what I heard, and I don't know how true this is, but they had gone to a few other people before they went to Matt Smith. They went to Red, Eddie Redmayne to, to play this role first, and then... Um, Oh, someone else. I can't remember who, but yeah, they had, they had gone to a few other people and then they, they came up with uh, Eddie, uh, with uh, Matt Smith. I like Matt Smith. Hasn't really done too many movies as of yet, but... Not in lead anyway. Not, definitely not in lead. Um, yeah, he was in Terminator Genesis and, you know, the better part of the rest of the world's population would like to forget about that movie. <laughs> I still like it. It's a very good movie. You liked it? Or are you being facetious? It is a movie. It's a movie. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I'm not against any of the, the Terminator movies. I, I, I'm just like, what did you guys expect? Yeah, I mean, it's time travel, and it's, you're gonna. It, I feel like you're gonna do it the same way every time, anyways. So, yeah. I feel like the main problem with that movie was the casting. It was just badly. Cast I like Jake overall. Courtney. I don't know why people give him so he, much crap. He, he doesn't do a convincing uh, Kyle Reese though. Yeah, but you know what? I think that uh, Khaleesi Targaryen or whatever. Uh, her name, yeah, I think she was the bad casting in that. I, I agree that she was also bad. I think everybody was bad. I think even Arnold was bad. <laughs> even Arnold. Even Arnold as old even, Terminator. Even CG Arnold was Which bad. is interesting. I don't know if you heard this rumor that came out this past week is that Arnold's going to be in the new Terminator movie playing an old man that I think that they're going to model the T-100s off of or the T-800. What is he again? He's a T-800. 800. So, yeah. I like the idea a lot. That's, that's one of my favorite rumors I've heard come out of all that stuff. I mean, but that's not that far-fetched because that is kind of canon if you take into account the other Terminator sequels, I think Terminator Three they established that the T eight hundred was based off of. Oh, it was a deleted scene actually. It was a deleted scene. But uh, I mean, that is sort of canon. It's not canon if it's a deleted scene. Doesn't count. Well, it was just edited for time, not for. Well, it, it didn't make it into the movie. It didn't make it <laughs> in the movie. Um, but I mean, just I guess like that, just like uh, his smile from the Terminator Two. Oh, uh, actually, that's in the director's cut. That so is that the director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah um I, he was also in uh matt smith was in uh pride and prejudice and, Ju- and zombies and i don't know if anybody yeah, saw that i, I didn't see that. it How, what was that i forgot about that <laughs> or abe lincoln vampire hunter i remember abe lincoln vampire hunter unfortunately because i went and I saw that and they drift a train in that movie yeah they do, <laughs> yeah, they do. what more do you want that sounds awesome 
terrible. <laughs> so terrible. Uh, so, I mean, do, you, do either one of you have an opinion on uh, Matt Smith being in the Morbius movie as the villain? I mean, he looks creepy enough just as like is that. Yeah, <laughs> so just a few prosthetics, and I'm sure he'd make a great vampire nemesis. I wonder if they'll put eyebrows on him. <laughs> uh, I, no, because he's going to be a vampire. Why? <laughs> He'll be a creepy old vampire. He should be shaven completely bald. Oh, wow. Uh, all right. I don't think the movie needs to exist. Just burn the movie with fire. Steven, I want you to talk about the Studio Ghibli story. Okay. Uh, so apparently, um, both Goro and uh, Hayao Miyazaki are both making new films, which is cool. Um, uh, the the last thing that that like Hayao Miyazaki himself has been working on was his his short film about the life of a caterpillar, which was using CG stuff. Uh, the first time in like all of his career to use CG things for one of his films, which is really it was interesting. I don't think I'm gonna care about that movie, but I'll watch all the documentaries they make about him making it. <laughs> um, as far as this stuff goes, I hope that they're gonna be making something with traditional animation. Most of the people that people like really liked um that were the animators and stuff for studio ghibli left after studio ghibli dissolved this last time they've done it a couple times to go to studio panak uh to go make mary and the witch's flower which i talked about on our uh, year in film wrap-up right uh i am excited about hayo's film goro's film i hope he does a good thing this time the last film that he did was tales from earthsea and that was very not good Ooh. so now wasn't isn't hayo supposed to have been retired He's done it like 30 times, man. Okay. He never stops. Yeah. <laughs> so he just, just keeps doing it. So if you just keep throwing it out there that you're retiring, whenever you come back, people are just like, yeah, celebration. He's like Dr. Dre of Japan. <laughs> he's Dr. Dre of Japan? Yes. He's the he's, he's like the Rolling Stones? Yes. <laughs> uh, did you have an opinion on, on that story, John? I like his movies. So, I mean, more product from them is awesome. I've been mm-hmm. checking it out. Uh. Nintendo is rebooting uh, Metroid Prime 4, which is in development currently with a new studio. It's going back to the studio that made the original or the other Metroid Prime games. So they were doing four. They announced it in what the 2016 EA or something like that or E3. All they they showed was the title. (laughs) The title. And uh, yeah, they didn't. They have nothing has been done with it since, and so they're dropping the team that was going to be making that game, and they're going back to the other team that has made the other games for them. Which I think is a great choice because the Metroid Prime series was really awesome. I mean, why do you think that they switched in the first place? Um, that's a good question. Um, I would assume that maybe they were thinking of going in a different direction, and. I mean, that's what they did with uh, Retro Studios to begin with, is like, okay, we're going to bring Metroid into the 3D realm. And the way that they did it was very unique at the time because it was definitely very platform-based, um, whereas it could have just been like a Doom clone or followed in the same lines as uh, Halo, which was also very big at the time. They took a decidedly different approach to the game, and it made it stand out, and it was really great. So I'm thinking that maybe they either thought... This new studio, well, like they want them to take a different direction yet again, and that didn't work out. Nintendo's very picky when it comes to their properties, and mm-hmm. they're very protective. So, if like it says there that you know the development wasn't meeting their standards, so 
they completely scrapped it. They can afford to do that. And can gonna they go afford back. to do that? I think so. Now they can. Now they can. Why? Nintendo is just raking in the cash right now. Okay. The, the Switch is brutally successful. Uh, I okay. thought Nintendo was going to die. Nope. Yeah, the Wii U was kind of starting to show signs of like, ooh, they've maybe lost their magic. But the, <laughs> the Switch definitely seems to have brought it back, especially their online service. Yeah, they they, they they're killing it. I don't... There are so many games that I want to play that don't release for PlayStation because Nintendo's just like, yeah, come on over. For the first time in their in their entire existence, they're just like, yeah, we welcome the indies. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know if the, what exactly, but uh, it's, it's many of the original Prime staff left Retro to form Armature Studios, which released ReCore mm. on the X- Xbox One. ReCore was bad. Oh, as in not good? Yeah, it was very, very bad. Um, it was actually uh, everyone was really excited because um, I forget his name right now. The guy who was responsible for uh, Mega Man, um, I, I believe it's Mega Man. Um, yeah, he uh, he did Mighty Number no. Nine and Recore like around the same time, mm. and it was it was rough, man. I was excited at first. I saw the the trailer for Recore and I was like, oh my god, like I'm so jealous that everyone on Xbox is gonna get to play this game. And then it came out, and no one ever talked about it again. <laughs> I mean, I've never even heard of the game, so there's <laughs> that. Uh, all right. Clive Barker. You're a fan of Clive Barker, right, John? I am. Okay. Well, he says that there's going to be a new TV series being in, uh, that's going to be in development um, based off of his works called The Books of Blood. Do you know? Now, this is, a, this is like a Cthulhu kind of thing, right? Um, sort of. I think it leans more towards the Cenobite type stuff, like oh, really? Hellraiser. I think. Okay. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think it's directly related, but it has that same feeling. Um, anytime he writes anything that has that same style, like his Tortured Souls series, um, I think those were only released as little novellas with the toys. Um, they were only very loosely connected to the whole Hellraiser world, Cenobite mythology, but they were good because they talk a lot about you know the. The freaky S and M characters and how the suffering is like the ultimate form of pleasure. So, what I think one of the interesting things about this is that he's also going to be working with uh, Brandon Braga to create this series, which uh, Brandon Braga is very heavily involved Star- in Star Trek. Yep, and yeah. and then um, they don't necessarily they don't say anything about where it, the show is going to be going. Uh, yeah, it sounds like they're developing it, but it doesn't say where they're developing it at. So uh, I don't know if it's like they're throwing it out there and being like, hey, we want to make this show. Who wants to pick it up? Like, where do you see if, if it's going to be all Cinebite and S&M stuff, where do you see this landing, if anywhere? They should make it a traveling show. What do you mean? Like a carnival. Like they set up tents in some town. They show like <laughs> private screenings of it. And then they have like sideshow attractions. And then they go to the next town, and then they they just have this air of mystery and creepiness everywhere they go. Wow! When you said they should make it a traveling show, I like I did I knew that you were not saying this, but my first thought was like it's like an Anthony Bourdain show, <laughs> but with the Clive Barker universe stuff. So you like inside that show, he's having to deal with all these crazy things. 
I uh, that'd be a cool show too. I honestly thought you were just being like it should go. It should the first season should be on Netflix, the next season should be on Hulu, and then HBO Go. But no, you mean a physical tent yes. where people have to go inside and watch this thing. Yes, and then it just goes to the next town, and you either you get to see it or you don't. That's right. Yeah. No, I don't think that's how they want to develop this TV series. But hey. More power to Clive Barker if they can get that off and off the ground and working. It'd be unique. It would definitely be unique. I I, I don't even know if start uh, if Netflix would pick up something like this. Probably not. Uh, yeah. It's uh, this sounds very. You know what? This might go well on Shutter. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I mean, what, what is Shutter? Shutter is a uh, horror movie based uh, subscription mm. movie um, app streaming app. So yeah, they and they have I think they have a few original shows. They yeah. had the your Joe favorite Bob, guy, yeah, yeah, the trailer park guy. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Bob. Is that what you said? Yeah, Joe uh, Bob. Yeah. So that that's a that's an interesting thing. I could see that. <laughs> uh last story. Vin Diesel. You know that guy, right? Yeah. The voice of Groot. He says I am Groot over and over again. <laughs> he does. Uh he is also the executive producer of all those Fast and the Furious movies, which I love. Uh they already have a spin-off movie from that, the Hobbs and Shaw film that's going to be coming out here pretty soon. He the... owns the franchise now, doesn't he? I don't know if he owns it, but I know he has a big, you know, share of it. Like I think that was part of his uh is in his contract to do another Riddick movie. He's like, I'll do it, but I want the rights to Fast and the Furious, or maybe it was the other way around. I think he did it. He got Riddick. Yes. Oh, is the one that he owns. Yeah, that's the one that he owns. That's what that, it was, yeah. He based that one off of his D&D character. So <laughs> I, I'm sure he really wanted <laughs> to thought, keep hold of that. Huh? That was his character in that Hunts, Huntsman movie or whatever. No, he made a character. In, oh, no, the the Witch Hunter movie. You're talking about the last that's, Witch Hunter? Yeah. yeah, he made a character to play on that um, Geek and Sundry show. Mm-hmm. What is that called? I don't think it was Critical Role that he was. Yeah, on, was it was it? Critical Role. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, but no, yeah, his his uh, character in in Riddick universe is his dark elf that he played for a very long time. His uh, rogue dark <clears throat> elf. Yeah, but uh, with Fast and the Furious, he announced that they have the three writers that will be writing the female driven spinoff of Fast and the Furious, which I assume. We'll have Michelle Rodriguez in the forefront. They said they're going to bring back Gail Godot's character um, of Giselle. So if anybody remembers in the sixth movie, she dies. I want to say it was the fifth. No, the fifth is the one that's in uh, Brazil. Brazil. Okay, so it was the The next one one. where they're chasing the plane. Yeah, because they're going up against the anti-them team. Yes. So then, <laughs> yes, because the Fast and the Furious movies have just become superhero comic book movies. Uh, but yeah, I mean, she'd have to be a superhero to survive her last scene in that. Thing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but she just she falls away. You know, she's supposed to be this badass, anyways. You never see her body. Michelle Rodriguez's character died, and she came back. That's true. Shot in the head, and she still survived. <laughs> so I, I want, I want the the spinoff movie that's just featuring all the characters who have died and come back. And then we'll finally get Han back. Yes, we're gonna get Han back. Ooh, we'll second time. Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> it was just a big elaborate ploy. <laughs> uh, all right, and then the the three writers are um, Nicole Perlman, Lindsay Bear, and Geneva Robertson Dwart D W O R E T Dwart. Okay, so uh, they have a lot of credentials between the three of them, 
and it sounds and he sounds like he's super excited about it which why wouldn't he be <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh does that strike anybody's fancy I, I mean like i said i'm a huge fast and the furious fan so i i can go into these movies being excited about it anybody else i'm more excited about hobbs and shaw yeah, I mean, is that just because of the Rock and J- Jason Statham? Or? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, the Rock's character in the Fast and the Furious movies is so like intense and like the size of a house that it's it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's like getting a testosterone shot, dude. In that fifth movie, when <laughs> him and Vin Diesel fight, like I, I was like, there's no way Vin Diesel's character wins. Like, no, <laughs> no, yeah, no. I saw Jumanji. That, that is not a man. That's a building. That is a building. Uh, I saw you shaking your head over there, Steven. You're just you're not excited for this franchise at all. I have no connection to Fast and Furious anymore. I watched the first three, liked them very much at the time. I'm I'm good. Were you? I mean, I know the third one is Initial D, just a remake of Initial D. Uh, yeah, like that. That's that's essentially where I stopped. I was like, I'm good. <laughs> I like I liked that movie. I got everything I needed done. done. It did not, however play the song that i would have liked in that one from initial d uh, that would have just been a choice <laughs> uh well i mean okay well there you go so how did you feel about an american muscle car being the one that beats the japanese at their own game didn't, didn't like it very much didn't like that main character pretty much at all <laughs> lucas black is not the greatest of actors no so. also when they try to like they canonically it has to happen after everything else right and other people in that franchise have held up well to time. He has not. No, not at all. <laughs> no, when they showed that in the last one in Fast, or no, not the last one, the Fast 7 or yeah. Furious 7 or Furious Fast 7. and the Furious 7, when they showed him, like the footage of him from 3, from Tokyo Drift, and then they cut to now, <laughs> it was like, ooh, his hairline went back really far in three minutes. That's He's just really surprised. <laughs> I mean, I can't sit here and just make fun of the dude. I mean, it wasn't his choice for the movie to get made out of order, but... Yeah. No, it just... I mean, maybe he should have moisturized a little bit. <laughs> I mean, after making... Um, what was that movie? Legion? That I mean, I, I can understand it. That that he wouldn't have a good... Was that the Paul Bettany movie? The the Paul yeah. Bettany where he's the angel... The angel Michael, I think. That comes down to stop the other angel. He is an angel. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty bad. Okay, that's all I have for news. Did anybody else have anything newsworthy? Uh, I was looking at stuff earlier. I don't think so. Well, then let's go ahead and start talking about Star Trek Discovery Season 1, Episode 1 and 2. Vulcan Hello. And uh, I want to say, like, I have no idea what the second one's called. Oh, Battle of the Binary st- at the Binary Stars. So okay, um, yeah, I, I <laughs> where okay, I think we decided this happens before Kirk. Yes. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, yes, it has to because of um, the captain for next season. Yes, Pike. Yes, 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 yes. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I don't know exactly how far in advance before Kirk, but this does take place in the Kelvin timeline. The one that JJ was. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. I didn't, they didn't matter. They didn't affect me when I watched it in the movie, but on this TV show, it seemed like they were more prominent and way more in my face than anything else. (laughs) 
Well, they got to use some of those lens flares to obscure the backgrounds because, I mean, those effects are expensive. Yeah, There's a very. lot of CGI going on in this thing. Yeah, there there was a lot. I mean, I want to I I, I want to give one prop is to the the special effects makeup people because like all the aliens I think look great or quote unquote the, aliens. The only part that I didn't like was uh were the the Klingons in the second episode. The between um I forget his name right now the white Klingon. And uh, Takuvma, like, there's that part where Takuvma is dying, and I was like, they both look real bad right now. Because <laughs> it was really up close on both of them, so I can understand <laughs> that. Um, but I, one thing I did like about it is that on this uh, starship that is, you know, based up of Federated Planets, United Federated Planets or whatever it's called... Um, there are a lot of aliens, not just a bunch of humans. Like that seems like that's been a thing for a lot of Star Trek shows that there isn't a lot of other races. Yeah, they 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 started upping it more with the next generation. I didn't feel like I mean, like I said before, I've only watched like four seasons of the Next Generation. And I feel like there wasn't a lot of races, other races. They weren't prominently featured, but you had that one weird guild man that had like the little breather apparatus. He was like friends with Will Crusher. <laughs> Like or was Wesley. he was he on there a lot? Um, not he, a lot. He was there more because Wesley wasn't around much either. Yeah, That's true. But like there was a few here and there that were more, and then they started to increase it with like Deep Space Nine, and then Voyager was kind of like half and half. Mm, but, Deep Space Nine was like heavily other aliens. Yeah. Oh, okay. So like yeah, now it's kind of like they're retroactively doing it. But yeah, like if you go back to the original series, like. Spock was the only real alien you saw consistently. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he was half human too. So exactly, kind of like, and yeah. Vulcans already look pretty human, yeah. other than their ears, the pointy ears. Yeah, yeah. And I then, mean that that's that's one thing that like I think that they kind of found an explanation around is that it's early on in the history of the the like the Federation and everything, so humans kind of still have like a little bit of a chip on their shoulder about asking for help from the people who would be more technologically advanced than them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, it's something that's featured heavily in like the enterprise series and stuff. Right. I remember like, that. Yeah. No, we, can, we can do this ourselves. You know? <laughs> uh, so one thing, uh, what's her name? Sonequa Martin green. She mm-hmm. plays our main, uh, protagonist of Michael Mike, Burnham, Michael Burnham mm-hmm. which, I mean, already is. It's, I don't want to say it's strange, but it's it's Michael is usually a very male dominated name. Not in the future. But not in the future. But I also feel like whoever wrote this episode, wrote the show, was like they had the idea that Michael was going to be a dude, and then they were like, "Oh no, let's make it a female." And then they're like, well, "Let's not change the name, though." That's why we show that we're we're progressive. Like it also seemed to me like every other sentence out of. Uh, Captain Philippa, like her, her, her out of, out of her mouth was, "Hey, Michael, Michael, do this." Mike, like they were like driving it in home that her <laughs> name is Michael, and I was like, "Okay, I get it." Like even <laughs> even in fair. like next I, generation, I they call them Riker. Also, the uh, Asian captain has a very decidedly non-Asian name. Philippa, like Giorgio or Georgina something like that. or yeah, yeah, Giorgio. Yeah, <clears throat> but then the ship is the Shenzhou. Shenzhou. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not going to lie, in that first couple of minutes, I thought, I thought she was calling... Oh, oh a little mic trip there. 
yeah, it just, I don't know, it just seemed weird because, like, even when they used to do Riker, it seemed like they would always, like, say Riker. They wouldn't say, I don't even know what Riker's first name was. Will. Will, yeah. See, it, it, the, the person who referred to him most by his first name would have been... Uh, Deanna? Oh, my God. Answer Troy, yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I, I don't know. It just, it seemed really weird that they, they kept referring to her as, as Michael over and over. Like, even, I mean, she's a commander... Right, so when, and she's also the first officer, so that's why she calls her number one a lot. But I don't know. Yeah. I think they they were trying to drive home the relationship between the two of them because they're clearly showing that like uh, that Michael Burnham looks at uh, at the captain as like kind of like a parental figure. So I think they were trying to set that up in the limited amount of time, kind of okay that they perceive themselves having because it was not a limited amount of time, very long episodes. <laughs> Uh, so now we get to see that she is very much struggling. I actually, I don't even feel like she was struggling that much, but I think what they're trying to set up is that she has to struggle between her human side and her being raised as a Vulcan. Mm -hmm. So her emotions versus her logical, which is what we always had to see with Spock being half human, yeah. half, half Vulcan. Um, I mean, was this just their way of doing making a Spock without having Spock, without being a Vulcan? Kind of, I guess. But I mean, I'm, we've only two episodes in. I'm already wondering, like, why was Sarek raising a human child? Yes, I don't get where that's coming from. That just seems so well, out there. Sarek's kind of the Mr. Weasley of the Star Trek universe. Like, he just <laughs> keeps, he has this fascination with humans. He He's just, always married to a woman. He just uh, to, does to a things. human woman. I mean, it sounds like he was on the planet where this Vulcan human science camp was happening that got attacked by uh, uh, Klingons. So yeah. I guess he saw a dying kid. Or do you think that he was involved with the, the her family in some, some way? Well, I guess maybe that would make more sense. If uh, she was orphaned on this planet, maybe he saw it as his duty to raise her at that point. Mm -hmm. So that may make more sense. But I, it didn't come across right away just from watching no, it. No. It just kind of put the pieces together now. So, well, is it that is it that um, we saw the thing happen where he mind-melded with her? Right. Do you think that was before he took on her care? I think I I think he knew her at that point, but yes, it was before he took her on uh, as a ward. So as he said, and which is also interesting because is that a a logical decision to do, or was that an emotional driven decision on his part? Definitely emotion. Yeah, I think Sarek's the ultimate hypocrite. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know they're not derived of emotions, but they're supposed to make decisions not based on emotions. Yeah, no, well, the whole thing was that, um, so, like, the, the whole split, I, I, I sound like I'm, like, 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 like the, the thing that split between Vulcans and, damn, I forget their name right now. Klingons. Um, or the, the, the offshoot, the... Romulans. Romulans. Thank, thank you. The, their whole split was that, uh, like, Vulcans and Romulans, they both have like this like one shared base, uh, and they essentially have like way more powerful emotions, as well as more powerful bodies. So a large portion of them wanted to be more logical and shut off their emotions. So at their heart, they are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it goes to show that like any extreme one way or the other is not good. You have to have that <clears throat> balance. Just like humans are, we're the best. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so 
uh, what are some of the other things that you found interesting about the episode? Like, I know we were talking beforehand, um, John, that what did you think of the progression or regression of the, the look of the Klingons? It was very interesting. You can tell that they're going for something different. And we were kind of having this discussion off camera where we talked about the the real evolution of Klingons in Star Trek, starting with the original series, how they were essentially just people in brown face with pointy <clears> mustaches. <throat> uh, and then the next, well, starting with the motion picture, that's when they started to actually make them look the way that we knew them for the last 30 years <clears throat> with the, the heavy brow ridges and the very samurai-esque armor. Yeah. And then um, with Into Darkness, we got the first updated look of Klingons in a long time, and they looked very similar to what we see now, but it seems like they're upping it even more because uh, we're getting a look at like how there's variations among them that we even saw like one of the characters is an albino. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest and because of, of that, he's an outcast. Yes, and uh, the rest of the characters are like very decidedly like black skinned like not even brown like they're like onyx looking Mm -hmm. um and uh they're hairless too which i thought was interesting because all the other ones would usually have like war braids essentially like very uh dothraki-esque and these guys are uh i made the comment they look like the alien from enemy mine oh yeah well they look they look very distinctively um not human-like in their appearances other than just having symmetrical, you know, two eyes, a nose, and a mouth, but very more almost insect-like with, like, how hard the edges on their faces are. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. You're right. So, yeah, like, they're definitely dressing them up to look much more separated from humans, which I wonder if that's the point, is to make them, to to make them less, uh, well, to be dehumanized, essentially, so that they are much more black and white they're the enemy you see and i i feel like that's one of the reasons i didn't like their new uh design um i think it's easier to make it so that they're the bad guys if they don't look human like if you just made them look a little bit more human um it then then you have to sit there and be like well how bad are they yeah yeah that you focus on the similarities versus already having them be othered right um, I also didn't, I mean, I brought this up while watching the episode in the Klingon ship, they have open flames <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and I really feel like in the middle of space, an open flame is not a good thing. Well, it was for and ceremonial purposes. It wasn't just ceremonial purposes. They had them like over, like torches everywhere. Klingons love candles, man. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're fans of the old school. I mean, I would assume you have a limited amount of oxygen in a yep. spaceship. This is true, but they also made a comment about how their technology also has a really archaic, uh, almost obtuse sense of ceremonial decoration to it. True. So, it's, like, because she makes that comment of she doesn't know if it was the the ship ship was built or if it was just carved from something. Yeah, and it, like she couldn't discern what functional purpose it had. Right. Um. So, yeah, like there's very much this whole ceremonial aspect to their whole culture that just lends it to, well, of course they're going to have open flames and they want everything to look like, I don't know. Death and murder? Yeah. Like <laughs> jagged etches everywhere. Uh, their armor is like super impractical looking with all these spikes hanging out of it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel like you could impale yourself on your own shoulder pads with some of the stuff they were wearing. 
Yeah, and, and the, it's interesting, like, the visual look they decided to go for for these ones. I don't like it. Um, the the one thing that I thought, like, the one thing that made it okay for me is that um, they kind of talk about this, like, the evolution of Klingons and how they look and everything over the, the whole show for Star Trek. And uh, there's this flashback episode thing that they did where people from uh, Deep Space Nine got to go back and see Klingons from the original series. And Worf is with them, but he kind of has like this like headband thing tied over his face to not show his forehead ridges and everything. And they're like, those are Klingons to him? Like, why do they look so different? And he he just kind of says like, we don't talk about it. <laughs> you said the same thing too. Yeah, they, they, they referenced the fact that there is a visual disparity with how they were portrayed and they just wrote <laughs> it in. Like that was a thing that happened, but we don't talk about it. Yeah, like, like, was there some kind of, like, degenerative virus thing that went through, like, a generation? I think so, yeah. I think there was, like, a, they tried to make it seem like there was a certain section of the Klingon population that looked more human than normal, and therefore they were the outcasts because they were yeah. a little weaker looking. But, yeah, like, I don't know. It, it's just an interesting one. Also, I feel like the people who were on that ship, they said that the ship is, like, the, the bodies that were on the outside of the ship and those coffin things... Um, they said that those had been there, like some of them were like hundreds of years old. Some of the bodies that were in there, um, ranging to just a few minutes or a couple hours, being the one that Michael Burnham killed. Um, so the thing's clearly been there for a while. And Klingons kind of have a history of um, like going on these like grand religious voyages. So I feel like these people have been doing this stuff for a while. And they might have like inbred to get these like different recessive things become dominant traits. Hmm. If that makes sense. They wanted to get some of the human in them because they know that humans are so badass. It's got they gotta be, man. Be cool. So then also talking about uh Michelle Yeoh, her character of Captain Philippa Georgina. Something Georgia. Like Georgia. 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 Okay. Uh how did you feel about her in the, the two episodes in which then ends up with her dying on a mission that doesn't even get accomplished? The whole idea was them supposed to go over there to capture Tukumba, to, uh, so that he doesn't become a martyr. Tukumba Montana. But uh, yeah, he she they end up killing him, and she ends up dying on the on their ship. Mm-hmm. She she does real hard, and honestly, in those first two episodes, I didn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, I felt it was really disappointed that they built it up with uh, yeah, this is what we're gonna do, this is the plan, and uh, I feel like there was a lot of really bad choices in this whole first two episodes to begin with um i mean you start with and right away i mean from the very beginning when we have that cold open of them walking in the desert i, I had such a problem with that too yeah i was like well this is this is a sign of things to come this is the tone they're setting especially with the you know the captain sitting there like okay walk with me and then all her you know first officer commander um uh, burnham sitting there constantly like questioning her and being like this doesn't make any sense what are you doing why are we walking we're gonna walk too it doesn't make any sense and then you know the storm is just getting worse and worse around them and then she's like i made a star and it's like no the wind would have taken your footprints away that doesn't make any sense the problem i had with that whole i mean i was fine with that it was cheesy but i was fine with that the problem i had is what were they doing to that well like why were they shooting it to shoot water up for these weird hermit crab looking aliens to come and drink water. Like what was happening there? 
Yeah, they said they said like something about their water having been like removed essentially. So they like go and they like shoot the thing. Like no matter what, the water table is only going to be such a like a depth in the first place. They're not going to shoot it and suddenly open it. And yeah, then, like the beetles would be like, oh great. Thank and it you. seems very so much against the prime directive. Whatever they were doing, it just seemed like it was uh, shady. Was it that was the thing? They they didn't call it the prime directive in there. They said it was general decree whatever or general command or whatever so it's not like in stone for the prime directive yet so prime directive doesn't happen until kirk i'm assuming or at least pike uh because i know in enterprise they didn't have that they didn't have the prime directive either and and archer even makes a comment about that he's like until starfleet comes up with some type of directive Directive. yeah (laughs) then i will do whatever i decide to do some kind of initial protocol yeah (laughs) so um, I, I don't know. I think that they were they like they were trying to find a way to communicate everything they needed to. Those two characters' relationship, um, where they are, they're at, like in time for everything, and who these two characters are. And I think they did it kind of poorly. Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, she's definitely trying to. Look, she's looking at her as a is a motherly figure, where Sarek is definitely a father figure to her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how she acts with the 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 death of the captain when she's obviously a direct result in more than one way to her death so do you guys know anything about the show going forward like what what the next episode will take us to i don't not the next episode i know just a couple of details about the second season that's it okay so as uh i was going to talk about the 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 announcement of the of uh michelle yo's own show it is apparently going to take place. Um, we should say spoiler alert. Spoiler if you haven't watched. Is that part of the second season? Uh, so first season. Is it is part of the first season? Yeah. Okay. And so- second, I mean, like for anyone who doesn't know anything about the second season, she was at the premiere for the second season. <laughs> oh, uh, so yes, yeah, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, apparently they run into the Mirrorverse version of Captain Philippa, and she is going to be the, the, the focus of the Section 31 division of Starfleet, which is what her show is going to be. Yeah, it's like a Black Ops kind of character. So I think I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it says, uh, the series will follow Captain Georgia's alternate counterpart from the mirror universe where she was the villainous emperor of the Terran empire. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she made it pretty high in the Terran empire. I mean, I'm assuming by Terran empire, they mean like instead of Starfleet humans just took over everything. How could they? I mean, everybody else had the warp technology before them. Well, as soon as they got it, they just ran with it. Like, like the Klingons or the Romulans. Yeah. I mean, they still had nukes, I'm sure. And, I'm pretty sure that Vulcans had weapons to take out nukes. Well, no, it wouldn't be logical for them to have Uh-oh. anti-nukes. One of the things that they address in their um, in Star Trek is the fact that humans use nukes, and all the other races are like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> With atoms in your own atmosphere? Jesus Christ. <laughs> We're crazy, man. Don't mess with the humans. Uh, for the Section 31 thing, John, you, you watch a lot of Star Trek. Um, do you remember there was this guy who tried to recruit people uh, into this like counterintelligence agency in Star Trek? In which series? Um, so let's see here. I'm trying to remember 
what exactly he he was in. Uh, so it was a Deep Space Nine. He tried to uh, try to recruit Julian Bashir. Oh, is it because? Yeah, I remember something about that because also he was one of those uh, augmented humans. So it was like, oh, you'd be perfect for my club. Exactly. Yeah. That that was Section Thirty One. Oh. Yeah. Is the, the the group the guy said he was with? Oh, okay. So it's kind of like uh, Oni for Halo. Sure, None of you get that. No, <laughs> sorry. Maybe people listening did though. Yeah, maybe. I mean, <laughs> all three of you. Let's talk about um, uh, Doug Jones' character, Saru. Yeah. Now I thought it was interesting. Like one, I already liked Doug Jones. <clears throat> liked him for a very long time. Um, but I did think it was interesting how he explained his race of people. Uh, on his planet, they are prey, and they're raised. Okay, they're raised just for just to be food. It wasn't even so much that they were prey; they were essentially cattle. Yeah, they were cattle, yeah. but they're also sentient. I mean, they're not sentient, but they're you know intelligent enough to. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously extremely intelligent. So yeah, how did they get to a point where they evolved like this? Also, his eyes are on the front of his face. Not historically. Oh, I just thought yeah, creatures. You're right. Have. I didn't think about that. So I I have some some severe questions about this. <laughs> so I'm I'm curious about the race that would keep them as cattle. Then, like that sounds like it would be. I mean, unless they had some kind of massive uprising and they overthrew their like masters or whatever you'd call them, their uh, like okay, they're, herders, they're I guess. Yeah. yeah, like that would be kind of interesting to find out if they had some kind of massive revolution and they stood up for themselves and took over. Unless that didn't happen and that still happens on their planet and some of them just happen to live off world and have normal lives where they remember that they were used to be food. I mean, it's entirely possible. Uh, I, I don't know a lot about his character, but I, I liked the idea of his race being so like like sensitive because of what their the life cycle on their planet was. But them saying that it was just like this like lateral movement, I didn't like very much at all. Do you think it could have been the interjection of another species coming to their planet that got them to? Because, I mean, if you look at Enterprise, and I don't, I have no idea if that's even you know a thing that exists in this world anymore. But the Vulcans wouldn't interfere with a race until they've gotten warp drive. Now, <clears throat> if his race of people are merely cattle how would they have become intelligent enough to to develop warp drive and if the other race on the planet developed the warp drive then that's also interesting too yeah no i i definitely have big questions about it i don't know if it's something that they ever get into address (laughs) i kind of hope that it went something down like the vulcans or whoever made first contact made first contact with the the master race of this uh, planet and, um, you know, at their first big banquet, they just roll in like a bunch of these like, live Sarek aliens and just start like spit roasting them right there in front of everybody. They're like, what the hell, dude? Like, <laughs> like that'd be uh, a hell of a way to make a impression on an alien race. Uh, uh, okay. Was there any other interesting uh, crew members that you saw that you want to talk about? I know you saw the Daft Punk alien. That was pretty interesting. Yeah, I, at first I thought, well, you said it was an android, and I said, no, I think that's more of a robot. And I think we're both wrong. I think it was a cyborg. 
Because oh. at some point when they start getting blowed up, uh, somebody they says, can't... get her to med bay or something like that, yeah. or sick bay. And I was like, wait, what? She's organic? <laughs> and, uh, but she has a Daft Punk head. Yeah, I was like, that's interesting. Yeah, I was trying to figure out like if they were supposed to be some like other version, like technically, technologically older version of a technological based people that we see later, like the Breen or something. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, the one dude that was the pilot, maybe? Ensign, I believe. He was an ensign that was piloting the ship, and he gets sent to uh, the uh, med bay, but he ends up in the brig anyways to talk to uh, Burnham. He was confused. Dude, that dude, I'm I, I'm glad he got sucked into, the, into outer space because that actor was bad. He <laughs> delivered the few lines that he had horribly. And the one... Yeah, I, I I need help. Yeah, that bad. That was so horrible. Like he sat there and he like almost bit his own finger, being like, "I need help." Like it was, it was over. Like I get it. He's a he's a up and coming actor. He got cast into this big role for a Star Trek thing, and this is his big line, and he just put all of it in there. But man, that was harsh. Last credit. Uh, one thing that I liked was um, the guy who played Cedric. I couldn't figure out what I knew him from for like the whole time I was watching the the, the show, but uh, he was one of the guys from Orphan Black. Oh, was he? Yeah. See, I uh, didn't like. I was gonna say I didn't watch Orphan Black, but I saw. I remember him from The Cape and uh, Gotham because he played one of my favorite characters in Gotham. Who's he in Gotham? Uh, he played. Um, Oh, I can't remember his actual character's name, but he put, he eventually wears the Azrael armor, which is one of my favorite characters from Batman comics. Is Azrael? Okay, interesting. But, yeah. I, I feel like Azrael. I'd imagine being a little, you know, more built. Yeah, oh yes, exactly. He should have been, but that's not what they did with that. <laughs> that show is kind of weird. Uh, they 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 like, hey, you know that character you like from the Batman comic books? We're gonna kind of put him in a fun house mirror look and change it up well i mean that that's part for the course because uh you know the penguin doesn't look like the penguin for at least the first eight seasons of the show it's only five they're on their fifth <laughs> final season and uh yeah what they, they he does not look like the the version that you know from the comic books although i hear that might change in the final one yeah if you watch if you prosthetics for him yeah they yeah the, the, they're that's what they're going to be doing plus if you play that one video game that uh the batman telltale game no, the Telltale game. He's he's super skinny. Hmm. Yeah, they subvert your expectations. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, did did you guys like if this was a thing that you weren't watching for this, and these were the only two episodes you guys saw, would you continue to watch the show? I would not. I would. <laughs> I didn't have as much of a problem with the Dutch angles as Mitch did. Oh my god, that were killing me over and over with those Dutch angles, and it was only when they were on the the Starfleet ship like when they were over yeah. in the the klingon ship they weren't doing it and i don't understand what the thought process on that is to me it just I, makes me feel uneasy like the ship is tilting and i'm like i can't keep my balance yeah no like that i think that's what they were going for is supposed to be like a tone that they were trying to create but i think we as like a movie going public are super sensitive to dutch angles yeah, yeah. As people who watch movies often and TV shows often, like anytime a movie does a Dutch angle, it takes me right out. Like I'm like, yeah. oh, this is horrible. It reminds me of Battlefield Earth. Oh, I, I would think of Thor. Oh yes, Thor did it a lot too. Thor was yeah, kind of bad. Kenneth Branagh, what were you thinking? 
<laughs> he thought he was making space Shakespeare. He really did. He really did. Shakespeare. Uh, what about you? Would you, I mean, it seems like at you. At first I did. At first you didn't? I didn't. Uh, I, I, like, I watched those two, the first two episodes. The first one they showed um, actually on CBS, like, network television. Mm-hmm. And then they pitched the idea of the app afterwards. They showed the first episode on network TV, and then after that, like, I I watched the second one on the application, and then I just stayed away for a couple weeks. <laughs> I didn't come back. Uh, and then after that, I think I watched maybe three more episodes after that super sporadically, and I then I, I put the show down. But now we're going to be watching at least the first season for uh, this show, and uh, are you excited to continue? or? I, I like it more. Uh, upon my second viewing also i've been like i've just been deeply immersing myself in star trek stuff recently just in general why uh, is that like, say again why is that I, I i watch star trek like like all of it probably once every like year and a half or so all of it yeah like from enterprise to deep space nine yeah I, 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 I just finished a voyager and i'm I, right now i was I was getting pretty desperate, and so I went back to Enterprise, even though I don't like that series. I like Enterprise. You know, I'll say this. I'm really interested in how they're delving into the Klingon culture, because that's one of the things I do like, is like the history, the mythology around things. So I'm curious to find out more about, uh, you know, the whole prophecy thing they were talking about, with that one character wanting to essentially be the new messiah uh, character <clears throat> that they mentioned, and... The bringing up the clans, which is something kind of new. I didn't realize there was twenty four. I'm not sure if that's canonical or that's new for the show. So that one, that one, that one's been. Yeah, so I kind of want to see how all these things kind of play out together. Um, I really like, like for instance, on the original movies, I loved how uh, the explosion of one of the main Klingon planets' moons like changed the geopolitical landscape of it. Um, which led to, you know, eventually having Klingons in Starfleet with the next generation. So I like that direction. I want to see where they take that. In- You're talking about Wolf 359? Uh, is that what it was called? I I, the, was- there was like a big old attack thing that happened. That's where like Worf's parents got killed. Uh, yeah, we I think we mentioned that too. It's like I'm curious to see if they're gonna bring up like Warp's uh, yeah Warp's parentage in this because I figured like this would be something that they'd want to go into since it's gonna be very Klingon centric from the looks of it. Possibly. Let's let's look out for the the mention of Moog. <laughs> do do um do Klingons have a longer lifespan than humans? I think so. Yeah. Longer. Hey, if they, if- well, because uh, Vulcans do. Vulcans I know Vulcans do. Have like a like a twice the lifespan of a human. So, I think uh, Klingons are similar. Not maybe not as much, but still more long lived. Okay. So, yeah, because how many? How long after the original series is, does Next Generation take place? About eighty oh. years. Eighty years. So okay. literally about a generation afterwards. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah, that's that's. I mean, do you think that the Klingons and their empire has been changed due to the events of Star Trek 2009? I don't know how it could be. Okay. That's my only thing. It should think. have a little bit because um, Nero was found by Klingons 
And then when they escaped from a prison planet, they, uh, I think they destroyed an entire installation of Klingon uh, ships with uh, that big ass, uh, whatever they called that mining ship. That mining ship. Yeah. Yeah, So it, it may have had an effect or it could have started a ripple that led to where things are going to go. But I don't think that's happened yet in this timeline. Exactly. Yeah, this it is, had to have happened. No, no, because Kirk's around. What do you mean, Kirk's around? Like, Kirk's around for the other stuff. Like, and it's not that much longer after. And then Kirk doesn't like Pike is the captain in the. You second mean George season. Kirk? Are you talking about um, which like w- uh, sorry, uh, James T. Kirk? So James T. Yeah, but I mean the it's point where James T. Kirk James T. Kirk is born. That's where Nero first shows up in in the past, right? Yes. Okay. The the reason I'm saying is because like these Klingons that we're seeing right now, they've been with this like weird ship thing for like hundreds, like oh, years. oh, okay, I see what you're saying. But so like I don't I don't see how the stuff that happens in that could like unless it is that ripple effect that you're talking about, right? Hey, they established in um the uh, all good things that uh, you know episode with the queue the final season finale is that mm-hmm. uh some ripples in time go both ways so maybe when they traveled back in time with the nero ship it didn't just affect the future creating that timeline it also went backwards and started affecting things in the past yeah that's why they got the temporal prime directive man yeah <laughs> uh, all right is there anything else that either one of you want to talk about with this episode I don't know. I think we already went to like the most extreme of nerdiness that we have so far on this episode. So. Yeah, no, I like I I I like it more. I'm looking forward to watching it with you guys. It gives me a reason to watch it. I was gonna say, is, is that maybe a reason why you're enjoying it a little bit more this time because you have someone to watch it with? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Because otherwise, I'm just like wasting my time listening to <laughs> talk about his like whole diatribe thing. <laughs> I mean, I also I kind of feel excited because obviously, out of the three of us, I'm the one that knows the least about this uh, culture, this history, this mythology. So I, I get to learn some stuff from you guys, which is kind of cool. I'm sorry that it's going to be some like deep nerdy steeping. Hey, that's that's what we're here for the geekery, you know, <laughs> the geekening, the geekening. There you go. <laughs> Uh, All right, so if you have an opinion on this show or any of the stories we talked about earlier, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can find me on Twitter as at Mitchipedia G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. John is also on Twitter as... I am at Magic Bollocks. And Steven is on Twitter, and hopefully we'll be getting back there soon. Yeah, I will. (laughs) Just a little bit here. In the meantime, however, this this show publishes, like, Monday morning? Uh, No, Sunday night. Most people will probably listen to it Monday morning. Okay, well then you can find me Monday, uh, Monday night on twitch.tv slash mod20gaming, M-O-D-2-0 gaming. Uh, I will be drawing that night. You're drawing, and you're drawing, uh, are you always drawing characters from the Mod20 Gaming? Um, so t- tomorrow night I'll probably be, well I guess tonight, um, I'll be drawing stuff for our space D&D game, uh, Starfinder. Um, that now one happens at twitch.tv slash jbruce, just the letter J and then Bruce. Um, but yeah, I'll be drawing those characters because I finished up the Mod 20 gang already for this season. There you go. Do you do it like Bob Ross? Happy little accidents, man. <laughs> Happy little tree. Happy but, little fever. Happy little tentacle. You mess up right here. Oh, that's just a scar. It's a nice little battle scar from earlier. 
<laughs> I mean, that literally happened. Then <laughs> uh, the rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on, on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out check out archived episodes of this podcast on our website, geekleetmedia.com. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. This podcast has been brought to you by Cuts by Candice. Candice Kiss is a hairstylist that listens to your needs and will work with you to get the right look for you. With 18 years of experience, Candice is the premier stylist that I trust with my look. And right now, if you mention this ad, when you make an appointment from now until the end of February 2019 and give our promo code GEEKOUT, you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts underscore Candice on Instagram and start looking the best you you can.